Welcome back, Missio family. Today, you'll hear Pastor Josh talk about how prayer is not a have to, but a get to. Josh will explain the importance of prayer up, in, and out. If you have any questions about Missio, you'd like to join a missional community, or have any prayer requests, please contact us at missio.life. Have a seat. So if I were to ask you a question, what is the most important thing that you don't do? How would you answer that question? What is the most important thing that you don't do? Many of us, maybe we'd say uh, spending more time with family or you know, taking a family trip, maybe saving for retirement. Um, we could get spiritual. We could say, well, reading the Bible serving the poor, you know, in our city. So there's a lot of ways we could answer that, and and maybe even prayer would find its way onto that list. But would any of us put prayer at the top of the list and say, that's the most important thing that we don't do? We got one hand in the back, yeah. So, but I think here's the thing, you know, we want to follow Jesus. We say we want to model our lives after him as Christians, And yet many of us just don't pray, and Jesus' life and ministry were marked by prayer. You read through the Gospels, and you see how often Jesus prayed and how integral that was a part of who he was, which is kind of crazy to think about it because Jesus is God incarnate, right? God came down, put skin on, and yet he prayed. Like, Jesus spent time talking to the other members of the Trinity through prayer, kind of an interesting thought. And so... Maybe we'll unpack that a little bit more as we go throughout this message, but today we're wrapping up a series, How to Reach a City, and this has been our vision series for 2023, and we've been talking about some things, and you know, January's the time of year where everybody's got their New Year's resolutions, which by the way, is anyone still going on their New Year's resolution? We got one hand, all right, two, all right, great, good job guys. So it's easy to just kind of drift back into what we normally do, but as a church, we want to be very focused on why we're here. Why did we plant Missio? We started Missio so that we could reach people who don't know Jesus. We wanted to bring the gospel to our city. And so we've been talking about just where we're going in this new year and, and how do we set some goals, some ministry goals that uh, we just really need to rely on God to see happen. And so we started out talking about people of peace. What are people of peace? They're people uh, in our lives that are leaning into relationship, that want to be around us, want to spend time with us. And as we bless them, they bless us in return, right? People of peace may not have the same faith background that we have, but they aren't really turned off by the fact that we're a Christian or that we follow Jesus. And so people of peace are all around us, and we've been talking about how to identify them. Then we also talked about invitation and challenge. So what do we do with a person of peace? Well, there's some things that we learned from Jesus and, and how he interacted with his disciples and other people that he would bank invitation, he would hang out with them, share meals, uh, you know, build trust, hear their story. But then Jesus, you know, he masterfully did this. He, he had high invitation, he welcomed everyone, but then he would challenge too, wouldn't he? He'd say, hey, you need to take up your cross and die to yourself and follow me. Or you need to repent because the kingdom of God is here. So Jesus masterfully brought invitation and challenge together. We talked about that last week. And today we're talking about prayer. We're talking about uh, how do we pray and how do we look to Jesus' life? How do we learn from him? 
But as we think about how to reach a city, we really can't do it without prayer. We can't do it without God's help. And so uh, I know I've shared this the last two weeks, and I'm going to say it again. Our goal for 2023 as a church is to collectively identify 200 people of peace and to pray for them at least weekly. Because I believe that if we can identify those relationships, people that are leaning in and that are maybe open to the, the truths of the gospel, we're going to see God do some amazing things this year through all different ways of ministry here at Missio. And so uh, we have these cards, um, these little note cards, nothing special or fancy about them, but they will be back by our information. I don't even, what do we call that thing? The table? It's just a, a black table, but they're there. And if you meet somebody or you, you know you meet a new person of peace write their name down first name last initial we don't we're not trying to you know we're not doing data mining here or anything weird so we're trying to respect privacy but we want to pray for people by first name and so just jot it down drop it in that box and we'll add it to the list we know um, we're, we're working on a list kind of a master list for prayer and then within our missional communities we're taking this a step further to really specifically pray and I'm going to talk about that later in the message this morning, but we really want to be intentional about reaching our city. I think that's God's heart for our church. That's why we're here. And so prayer, I would, I would go out on a limb and say it's the most important thing that we don't do, or we, we don't do very well. Some of you are, are sitting there going, yes, finally, we're talking about prayer. Prayer's my jam. And so for some of you, you love prayer. You're into prayer. You're all on board. And then for some of us, we're sitting there going, oh, here's the prayer pep talk again, right? Because you've been in, in services like this where somebody just makes you feel guilty for not praying more. And I know because I've been there. I've been in those um, sermons or those, you know, retreats where it's just like, oh, you just should, you should pray more. And it's just a lot of guilt. And that's really not my heart today. I don't want to should all over you that you should pray more and you should do this. It's a matter of perspective, and realizing God's heart for us, and that prayer's not a have to, prayer's a get to. And so hopefully as we talk about this a little bit, maybe our, our thinking and our attitude towards prayer will shift a little bit. I mean, could you imagine uh, if we, sometimes the way that we approach God, we say, okay God, I'm coming to prayer, I'm spending some time with you, here's my grocery list of stuff, and then I'm out. And then we expect God to be pleased with that somehow, Imagine if we did that in a relationship with a friend, like, hey man, we're going to have coffee, here's what I need from you, and see you later, and I hope you had a good time. We would never do that, right, to a friend or to our spouse, but yet we, we approach God that way, and we just kind of give him a list, and then we deuces him out, you know? But we want to spend time with him because it's a relationship. As most of us understand prayer like when we get desperate, like we call that foxhole praying, like you're in the foxhole and the bullets are flying. And all of a sudden, we get real spiritual. We become prayer warriors in those moments. Like, God, help me. Just get me out of this jam. And sometimes we make deals with God. We make promises. And, you know, we're in a jam. And so, yeah, pray when, when things are hard. But we can pray all the time. And, again, it's a relationship that we have with our Father. So there's a lot of things I could say about prayer today. It's a huge topic. Oh, my goodness. We could maybe at some point we're going to do a, a whole series on prayer. But for today... I just want to focus on a few things. And so I want to uh, look at prayer in three ways. I think I've got a slide here with the triangle. So we're going to talk about up, in, and out. And we've used this triangle shape for some other things with discipleship. But we think about prayer. We can pray up. We pray to God, right? Commune with God. We have that relationship, just being with him. 
Then we have in prayers where we're praying for ourselves, like, Lord, I have these needs. Can you help meet these needs, Lord? And that's petition. We're going to talk about that. And then out. How do we intercede for other people? How do we pray for other people that we know? And we're going we're gonna to look at all three of these. And so hopefully this just, use this as a visual as we go on. And uh, so we're going to talk about prayers of communion first, that up prayer. When I say prayers of communion, I'm not talking about the little juice and wafers, you know, communion. It's relationship. How do we relate to God? How do we commune with him, spend time with him, and build that relationship? So we, we see Jesus model this, and I'm going to read from uh, Mark 1, verse 35. It says, rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him, and they said, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came. So Jesus went out, spent time with the Father in prayer, and then he kind of knew what to do next. He's like, okay, we need to stay focused here, people. And so Jesus understood his relationship to the Father, and he pursued God through prayer because of it. Jesus knew he was a beloved son, and I, and I think that's important to realize that Jesus understood his identity, and I wonder how many of us maybe don't pray because we don't really fully grasp our own identity with God. We don't be- believe or realize that we're sons and daughters, that we're beloved, because maybe we think man, God's mad at me, God's angry with me, or we're just afraid of him, or we think he's annoyed, or he's just displeased with me because I don't pray much, or I don't do the things I should do. And so we don't approach God in prayer through faith because we're, we're really just kind of afraid of him. But God's heart for us is that we would know him, we would know our own identity, and that we would have that kind of uh, father-son relationship that Jesus had as he went to his father and he spent time with him. So knowing God's character and his heart toward us change our approach to prayer. Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And so we understand that we're beloved, we're sons and daughters. Prayer is not this thing where we're coming and, you know, kind of cowering before God. We're saying, we're coming to our dad. And we're, we're talking to him, we're communing with him, and that's what Jesus did. And because of Jesus, we have that same kind of relationship. We're adopted into the family, and we can cry, Abba, which means dad. We can have that kind of relationship. So that's our motivation, and we get to commune with God. Communing with God can be done in different ways, and we see from Jesus' example, he would often go out into the wilderness, or he'd go out early in the morning, And he would pray and he'd spend time, extended periods of time, sometimes all night. And so we understand solitude. Solitude is great, by the way. If you've never done that, try it sometime. Spend some extended uh, time away. I've had some great times with God in prayer. I typically like to be in nature. I like to be outside somewhere, obviously not in North Dakota right now, but, um, you know, on a warm day, it's pretty awesome to just be uh, in a peaceful place with God for a long period of time. And it's amazing how our heart and our soul just kind of quiet down and still before him. But communion with God is not only done through solitude. See, there's other verses in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray without ceasing. So how do we do that? How do we pray without ceasing? I believe that we can commune with God 
In solitude, yes, but also through the everyday regular rhythms of life. It can become an ongoing conversation where we're praying when we're at work, we're praying when we're at school, we're praying when we're just out running errands, doing things, right? So prayer doesn't have to be this super special event, it can be, but it can also be just regular, everyday, normal stuff. There's a guy, uh, his name was Brother Lawrence, and maybe some of you are familiar with him, he was a uh, a monk, and he was in a French monastery, and he wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God. If you've never read that book, I'd encourage you to, to check it out. It's a real, real easy read. But Brother Lawrence talked about how he cultivated his awareness of God through regular things, the mundane things of washing dishes and making meals and cleaning messes, and he learned to practice communion with God, to talk to God and be aware of his presence throughout just regular ordinary stuff. And he said this, the key to friendship with God, he said, is not changing what you do, but changing your attitude toward what you do. What you normally do for yourself, you begin to do for God, whether it's eating, bathing, working, relaxing, or taking out the trash. Hope my kids are here, taking out the trash, you hear that? You can do that for the glory of God. Do a little more often, maybe. So we can commune with God through just the regular, ordinary stuff of life. And I believe that was God's plan from the beginning. You think back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were walking with God in the cool of the day. And it wasn't an event. It was just like, they just walking around. Hey, God, I had some good fruit over here the other day. And named some animals over here. Like, it was just constant communion. And that was God's design for people. He's always just wanted a relationship with us. And so I want to pause right here for just a moment, have some discussion, so please don't get shy at me now, Um, but a couple of questions. So first one is this, what has been the biggest challenge for you in communing with God or praying regularly as we think about this kind of up prayer, just spending time with God or communion with Him? What has been the biggest challenge for you? Excuses? Say that again. So busy. It's easy to get busy. Too busy for God. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Quieting your mind. Why is that difficult to do? Do we live in a world that promotes quiet? <laughs> no. We Constant stimulus, right? Yeah, it takes a little... A little effort to quiet down the mind, for sure. The second question is this. How might our attitude toward prayer change when we understand our identity in relation to God? Does that matter? Does Does that affect our attitude in prayer? And how so? I think just realizing, like, Absolutely. So she said we can get kind of caught up on the fancy stuff and trying to, you know, lots of words, and, but just approaching it as, a, as God as a friend or as a uh, father, which Scripture says he's both of those things, that it takes the pressure off, right? A lot easier to pray, for sure. I think that word identity is big because 
like, well, Jesus' death on the cross makes us righteous before God. He sees us righteous, but, you know, I so often think he's mad at me, or, oh, I really blew it, so I can't just go to him again, you know, but that's not right. Like, mm-hmm. I think I believe a wrong identity for myself so often if I'm not purposeful. Yeah. Yeah, he said, so sometimes we believe the wrong thing about our identity, and we think, man, I messed up again, I can't go to God, he's not going to take me back again, but knowing that it's Jesus' righteousness, not our own, that it makes it possible for us to go to him in prayer, right? Because he's not seeing Tim, he's not seeing Tim's righteousness, he's seeing Jesus' righteousness. So even when we mess up, we can come back and say, Dad, I, I blew it. He says, it's all right, Grace. So prayers of communion, that's the up. And then we talk about um, prayers of petition, right? And this is more praying for our needs, praying for things that we need. And Jesus taught his disciples, it's okay to pray for your needs, right? He coached him up on this. And so you think of um, what kind of needs did the disciples have? Just kind of, you know, think back in history. What would the disciples have needed? I think they needed the same things that we need, basic fundamental human needs of like food, shelter, clothing, transportation. I mean, maybe their transportation was a little different. I mean, we, we pray for a car. They maybe prayed for like the double hump 2000 camel. I don't know, like, or the donkey with the platinum trim package and the extra cup holder. And which I was wondering, do you think they had cup holders back then? Or maybe they just used canteens. I don't know. But but they prayed for things like, God, I need something. I need to get from this town to that town. I need transportation. I need food and shelter. And so God knew all this, and, and he said to his disciples that you, you can pray. You can ask your Father. And so Jesus said this in Matthew 6, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And so I love that. He says, you're not going to impress God with lots of words. Just come to him. And by the way, he said, your father, because it wasn't just Jesus' father. Jesus is saying, you're now part of the family too. You get to approach your father. And by the way, he knows everything you need before you ever ask it. He knows your needs. So God is all-knowing, but he still invites his kids to come and ask him for help. Right? He invites us to ask for our needs. It's not because he's got an ego problem that God needs to be all pumped up, but it's, it's an awareness of that we rely on God for everything. We're not ultimate. We need our Father in heaven. And so it kind of brings us back around to that reality that we're not in charge. God's in charge. And that's so freeing for us. That is so... I think of the anxiety that we can just release when we don't have to be in charge. We don't have to be calling the shots with, with life because we're not anyway. Many of you know this passage from Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So as we trust him for who he says he is, and we believe that we're his sons and daughters, and we just kind of lay our anxieties down, and we can just rest. Man, that's good news. That's prayer. So God loves us. And he wants to bless us. He wants to take care of our needs. I don't, I don't believe in the prosperity gospel that God's just into our health, wealth, and success. However, I do believe he's good. And I do believe he loves us. And I do believe he wants to bless us. 
And so if we ask for things in prayer beyond our, our, our needs, we go into some wants. I don't think that's bad because God will just say, eh, you're not getting that, right? <laughs> think about if you're a parent, do you give your kids everything they want? No, that is not good for your kids. It spoils them. It, it is not good for their character development. God knows that. He knows what we need and he knows uh, how he can bless us. And so um, I actually had a, a great conversation with Renee uh, I think we might need a microphone for Renee. Does she already have that? She's going to come up and share a story. And this is such a cool story because God not only wants to meet our needs, but sometimes he blesses us with some wants. And so Renee's going to share a story with us. This is what we call an audible for the sound team. Thanks, guys. Good morning. Um, I have just two quick stories. Um, I have a lot of stories of it, but I, I just had to just pick two. So the first one is Molly is my uh, 16-year-old, and uh, a couple of, well, it's been about a year, maybe two. School was getting ready to start, and she needed a backpack for school, and she wanted a North Face from Shields for 150 bucks. I said no. Mm -mm. I'll buy you a $30 backpack, but I ain't spending $150 on North Face. And she's my diva child, and she likes name brand and everything. I said, you better ask the Lord for that one, because he's really going to have to provide for that much money. And so I just let it go, and the next day I checked the mail. There was a letter in there from a lady in Texas with a check in there for $500, and it said, this is for your children's school supplies. So when I got home, I like, I showed Molly the letter and she went, he, he answered, like, let's go to Shields. It's, I get my backpack. You know, she was so excited. She still has that backpack today. The other one is when Rainy was about four, she's 31 now. She's my oldest. She's married and gone and um, on her own. But I have three teenagers, a 17, a 16, and a 15-year-old at home still. Well, uh, when Rainy was about four, her grandparents wanted to take her to Disney World. And I said, no. I said, I really want to take her. And I've never been, and, you know, I really, no, I just, I'd really rather do it. Right, yeah, I know my pride. I should have just let her go. So I started praying for a trip to Disney World. I prayed and prayed. It's in all my journals. That prayer is in all my prayer journals as I've gone through years. And then um, when I married Joel, Rainey was 11, and, and he heard me praying for that. And he said, Renee, that is not a need. God is not going to provide a Disney World trip for you to take your kids. I said, okay, I'll put, I quit praying. I did. I quit praying. I said, okay. I'll quit praying. He said, it's a worldly thing. Like, why would you want to take your kids there? Okay, so I quit praying. Well, then I had three more little kids. And I was like, man, wouldn't it be great to take all of them to Disney World? So then I started praying again. And Joel said, I said, Joel, God is good. And I'm not going to quit praying for a Disney World trip. I, 
I just believe that he wants to give me the desires of my heart. And so I just laid it down at his feet. And I said, okay, Lord, I, don't want, I do want to go to Disney because I do love roller coasters. I just had to admit it. I really want to go to Disney World. And so and I said, it, it would be great memories. And, but, Lord, you know I'm never going to have that much money to do a trip like that. And I just said, I just want to give my kids this. I just want to give them something good, something phenomenal. And so when I laid that down, I quit asking. I didn't pray anymore about it. And the week before COVID shut everything down, in my mailbox was a card. And it said, enjoy, you deserve it. And there was a cashier's check in that card, not to Freedom Prison Ministries, but to Renee Zahn. In the bottom of the left corner, I did take a picture of it, I still have it. It said Disney World, and the check was for $8,000. My kids and I went to Disney after COVID, and it was like there were no lines. Like we rode everything. Some things like the Yeti roller coaster in Animal Kingdom is my favorite. We rode it like four times in one day. Like... It, it was just God, you know, everything. He's that good, y'all. He's just that good. But it did take him 24 years to answer that prayer, just saying. Such a cool story. And, you know, we could probably have passed the mic around and have you guys share stories all morning of how God has answered prayer because he loves to answer prayer, Right? And if you've been a part of Missio for any amount of time, like you go back a year and a half, some of you remember this. We walked into this building and it looked a lot different. And we said, man, wouldn't it be cool if God would provide this building so that we could have a church here and we could have a white cross ministry out in the warehouse and we could have nonprofits upstairs and we could, we could just have a presence in the south part of Bismarck. And that, you know, now we kind of take it for granted, but you go back in time, that was a pretty big deal. And now the building belongs to Century Baptist. And then all of a sudden, all now it needs to be renovated. Well, that's going to cost a lot of money. God provided. This space was paid for and renovated. And now here we sit to just give God thanks and say, Lord, thank you for this. This is an answer to prayer. You're sitting in an answer to prayer this morning. And so God knows our needs. He knows our wants. He wants to bless us. And I think Sometimes we just forget that we just get to approach the God of the universe, the God with infinite resources, the God with infinite power. We get to approach him. We have a relationship with him. He loves us. We're his kids. So we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to approach him with fear. And so we, we pray up. We have communion with God, just, just spending time with him. We pray in, right? We ask for things. Our prayers are petition. And then the third way we pray is intercession. We pray for other people. We pray for other people, right? And so many of us, when we think of praying for other people, it, it comes down to health. We pray for people's physical healing. Oh, that person's sick. Let's pray for them to get better. Um, they're recovering. We're praying for their recovery. They're, you know, we pray that they don't need surgery, those types of things. And, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think sometimes when we think of interceding for other people and in their health even, we just want the path of least resistance. We want the least amount of pain. We're human, right? We don't like pain. I don't like pain. 
But we, we forget that God is actually doing things through our circumstances. And so maybe rather than just trying to short circuit it as quick as we can, we just pause and say, Lord, what are you up to here? Some of you know our story and, and just the journey we went through with my wife's back injury. We spent really a, a whole year doctoring. She was laying flat on her back, couldn't even sit in a chair, and just went through all these struggles and eventually with a, a fusion surgery at the end of that, back surgery, 36 years old. And um, it was tough. And that was a tough season for our family. Uh, but I know God changed my heart through it. He grew my faith. He, he taught me what it was to serve my wife when she was absolutely helpless. Our kids, I saw them learn to serve their mom and just develop character. And so it, it, it's amazing when we start to just back up a little bit and say, let's not just rush through whatever this health concern is, whatever this sickness is. Maybe God's doing something in my heart. Maybe he's trying to shape my character to be more like Jesus through this. And so as we intercede, as we pray for other people, we can be aware of that. Like, Lord, I, I just, I don't understand what you're doing here. I don't understand why this person's going through a trial, but I pray that you develop their character, that you grow their faith, right? We can pray for that. We can partner with God through prayer. And some people aren't sick necessarily, but they're spiritually sick. They're spiritually needy. We talk about our people of peace, people who don't know Jesus. They need him, right? Jesus said, I came to save. He, he didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick, the spiritually sick. And so we get, we get to pray. We get to enter into God's work and pray for those who need to know Jesus. And when we pray for others with prayers of intercession, we're reminded that we can't save anyone. We can't. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. All we can do is join with God in prayer, and we ask him to do what only he can do, and then we get to do our part. And we get to listen, right? Because we think of prayer often as a one-way street. Well, God, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to pray for her, and I'm going to pray for him, and I need you to do this, and I need you to do that. And we forget that prayer is a two-way street. There's listening involved. And we've talked about the listening rhythm before, right? We listen backward through Scripture. We read the Bible, and we listen to what God is saying to us through what's been written in the past. But then we also listen forward. What's the Spirit saying today? Because I think Jesus has some things that he wants us to hear directly from him. And, and we want to be listening people. Jesus did this in Luke 6. He said, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. And he prayed to God all night. And at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples. And he chose 12 of them to be his apostles. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Jesus spent time with God in prayer and then it was clear to him who he should pick as his disciples. He listened in prayer. We also see this with the Apostle Paul. As he went on his missionary journeys, he listened. Okay, the Spirit's telling me to go over here to this city, but not to that city. And Right? Any of us need help and direction from God on like a daily basis? Anybody? Maybe we should listen a little more. Maybe we should maybe stop talking so much in prayer and just be still and know that he is God and listen. And be aware of things that he might want to say to us. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Listening in prayer. And there's one caveat to this. So, you know, sometimes people get a little weird about listening in prayer. The Spirit's never going to tell you something that contradicts his written word. Okay? So that's just a, a kind of a check there. That we can listen to what the Spirit says, but we also have his written word. God doesn't contradict himself. 
not a God of confusion or chaos. He's a God of peace. And so if we're learning to listen, that's a good thing, but we always want to go back to what the Word says. And if you're trying to learn to discern the voice of the Spirit, talk to other believers because they also have the same Spirit and like, eh, I don't know if God's telling you to knock off that liquor store. I, it might not be him speaking. It might have been that Chinese last night. So it's good for us to surround ourselves with other people who have the Spirit, right? And we can learn to listen. Uh, I want to share an illustration. of, and I, I know I've shared this before. It's so good, though. I want to share it again. Uh, there's a, a story about a young boy. He was a teenager, and he became a Christian. And he was like, Lord, I want to learn to listen. I want to learn to hear your voice. And so he prayed. He's in his bedroom. He says, Lord, please speak to me. And he sat there. And he felt like God told him to go down to the diner down the street. Okay, so he hops on his bike and he rides down to the diner, walks in. It's about three in the afternoon. Not a soul in the place other than the guy behind the counter. So he's kind of confused, but he walks in. and he, The guy says, are you going to order something or what? So he orders his milkshake and he goes and sits in the corner booth and waits. And nothing happens. Nobody shows up, nothing special happens, and so he finishes the milkshake, and okay, gets on his bike, and he rides on home. A little bit confused, a little discouraged. And meanwhile, in heaven, there's a conversation happening. And Jesus leans over to the Holy Spirit. He says, did you tell him to go down to that diner? Jesus says, or the Holy Spirit says, I didn't tell him to go down to that diner. And then the Father speaks up, and he says, it's okay, because I can use somebody with a heart like that. Somebody who's willing to listen and take a risk. And I wonder how many of us have been afraid to take a risk or to act on something that maybe the Spirit has put into our heart because we just, we're just kind of paralyzed by fear or doubt. And maybe God wants to do some amazing things through us and we're just not really willing to listen. And so I want to challenge us today to listen in prayer. What does God saying to you. Maybe, maybe he's got something for a person of peace. As you pray for that person, he might say, well, I'd like you to do this with that person. Take a step. Take a risk, right? As long as it isn't contradicting scripture, take a risk and see what happens. See what God might want to be doing through us and listen to his voice. In our missional communities, we're going to be doing uh, more of this as we pray for our people of peace. Uh, and we have a, a journal. It's basically a Google Doc that we can put people's names in and how we're praying for them and how, how we feel the Spirit's leading us. And then the rest of the people in our missional community can say, hey, how'd that go? This isn't a gotcha. This isn't a, you know, we're not trying to make this, you know, super, it's accountability, but it's, it's not like harsh. It's just a matter of saying, hey, how did that go? And I tell you what, in the past, I've looked back at some of our prayer journals and we failed. It's like, I thought God told me to do this and it didn't turn out. That's okay. Because God says, I can use a heart like that. What I can't use is when you don't do anything. You just sit back and fear and in doubt. And so we get to learn how to discern what the Spirit is saying. We get to do that in community. We get to listen to the God of the universe, right? All right, one more discussion, two more questions, and then we're going to wrap this up. So two questions for you. The first one, does prayer feel like, I, I realize I spelled it wrong. Sorry. I have to. This isn't a math problem. Does prayer feel like a have to or a get to for you, and why? I think prayer for me is definitely a get to, in, in the sense that our Father loves us and wants to talk to us. We have that relationship as opposed to the have to of it being a religion. 
right, mm. pray this many times a day or something. Yeah. So he says for him it's, a, it's more of a get-to because he realizes that it's a relationship with God rather than religion, right? Which typically tells us that there's a recipe for God's blessing. We pray and then he blesses us. That's religion, right? Anybody else? Does prayer feel like a have to? Yeah, Michael? I feel like I've gone from feeling like a have to to like a get to to back to a have to and I've been trying to be more intentional and failing horribly, but in, in that, just rediscovering that I need this so much mm. that I feel like I have to. It's not because God needs it, but like I, I need this so much that I still despite mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys can hear what he said, but basically he's been kind of have to, get to, have to, back and forth, but then realizing now more and more how much he needs prayer. Prayer isn't for God. Like we're not pumping up his ego. It's for us. Like we benefit from it. And he knows that. And it's a gift, right? Yeah, we get to. Second question is what would have to change for you to start listening more in prayer? <laughs> Arlen says shut up first. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Is there an attitude change, heart change beyond just shutting up? Openness? Yeah. Surrender maybe? Like trust? Sometimes when I go to God in prayer, I'm asking for too many things. Sometimes I just need to be open. What do you really want me to pray? Mm-hmm. Something better because maybe what I'm praying for isn't really on his heart and his priorities. It's just something I want, and yeah. then he can change it. If I drop it, and he brings it back and says, "No, that's okay. Just you know, don't make it such a big heart issue. Make it my heart issue." Yeah. So he's talking about sometimes we have a big list of prayer items, and some of them might not really be on God's heart. And so rather than us thinking we have to check all those boxes, because again. Jesus told the disciples, Father knows what you need before you even ask. So it's not like if we forget to mention it, God's going to be like, whoa, that one blew past me, you know, like, but yeah, but, but listening in prayer requires probably talking less. Yeah, I would agree. Any other? Somebody say something? Yeah. Your listening needs to change? How so? Um, because sometimes, sometimes with dad, I don't even listen. So I think I need to listen more to him. Mm-hmm. You do. Yeah, you need to listen to your dad, and we all need to listen to our dad, right, in prayer. From the mouths of babes. There you go. So we're going to end this message where we really began, right? God is the one who initiates everything. He initiates the relationship with us. He initiates the mission like this is his kingdom, and he initiates even our desire to pray. He puts that out there, and he says, hey, come to me, and I'll tell you things that you didn't know. I'll, I'll spend time with you. I'll build this relationship with you. We can't live the Christian life that God intended for us without prayer. We can't make disciples without prayer. We can't reach a city without prayer. God can do it. We can't. And so we ask him. We say, Lord, this is your church. This is your city. These are your people. What do you want? How can we partner with you in that? I believe that God wants to reach 
our city. He wants to reach Bismarck. He wants to reach Mandan and Lincoln and all the surrounding areas. But that's something that we can't do on our own. But God can do it, and he can use us if we make ourselves available, if we're faithful to spend time with him in prayer, asking him what's on his heart, submitting to his will, and then maybe listening and taking a risk once in a while to take a step, take some action. And so I've, I've really enjoyed this series, and, and I hope that we continue to talk about people of peace and how we're praying for them as we move forward. Like I said, these cards will be on the little pedestal, desk, table, whatever we're calling that thing, um, throughout the year. And we're not going to just forget about this. Because I believe God's going to do some amazing things in our city this year. And I'm so glad that we get to do this together. And we have a God who loves us, a God who's crazy about us, wants to bless us. Man, we get to have a relationship with him. Amen? Let's pray. God, thanks so much for this morning. Thank you that you love us dearly and that you have invited us into this idea of prayer. Lord, we get to commune with you. We get to spend time with you, just talking to you, telling, telling you how we feel, what's going on in our hearts. We get to develop that relationship. We get to pray for our needs. We get to tell you what we need, even though you already know. We get to ask for things that maybe even we want. And you're a good God, and you know how to perfectly answer every request that we bring for you. And God, you stir our hearts to pray for other people. And we focus on the needs of others, whether it's physical needs or spiritual needs. We get to intercede for people that we love and care about. So Lord, thank you for the gift of prayer. Would you just stir us to just see this as a get-to, not a have-to. so blessed to be with you, Lord, to be in your presence. It's a gift to us. And so we thank you for it. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we close? Josh left us with a few takeaways from this service. We can learn to pray up, in, and out. Up. Prayers of communion with God, which means to be talking with him and being in his presence. Jesus understood his relationship to the Father, and he pursued God through prayer because of it. Jesus knew he was a beloved son. Knowing God's character and his heart towards us changes how we approach prayer. In Prayers of Petition This would be prayers for our needs and asking for things. God is all-knowing. He knows what his kids need but he still wants us to ask him. Out, prayers of intercession, or otherwise known as praying for others. Some people aren't sick or in need of intercession because of health, but they are spiritually needy. When we pray for others, we are reminded that we can't save anyone, but only God can. Discussion questions. What has been the biggest challenge for you in communing with God? Does prayer feel like a have to or a get to? Why? How might our attitude towards prayer change when we understand our identity in relation to God?
what would have to change for you to start listening more in prayer? Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week.